Well, we're in uh, Luke chapter 8. We're looking at the verses 40 to 56, which uh, we're going to look at uh, two um, activities, if you like, or two incidents where the Lord was called upon uh, to act on behalf, first of all, of a young girl who was ill and eventually died, and for a woman who had a severe disorder. It was a crippling her. If you remember, we, last week we, we were looking at the uh, previous section where the Lord had been rejected. He'd gone over to a Gentile area on the other side of Galilee and he was asked to leave because uh, they didn't want him. They didn't want his activities and he was rejected. And despite the obvious power that was evident in the Lord Jesus remo removing these demons from Legion, um, all they saw was their, their loss of earnings and the horror of what they saw of the death of the swine. And they couldn't see through the haze, as they would have thought, as they couldn't see Christ as being someone empowered by Almighty God coming to help them. Here we now move into, a, uh, when we start in verse 40, is a change in the attitude of those around us. So let's just read the, the section together, first of all, and then we'll oh, talk about it. So it's uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. But no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me because I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been in instantly healed. Then he said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. <coughs> While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue, synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. 
But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned. And at once she stood up. The Lord, the sorry, then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Again, to many of us, it's very well known passages. It's been headed up uh, in, in our group, group readings as um, the two, 12 years, the significance of the two instances here. And I think it's good that we can put them together, and I'm sure they've been put together for a purpose, for us to see the significance of these two instances. The first one with Jairus is a man who was very prominent. He was a, a ruler. He was somebody uh, who was very prominent, and I imagine well-educated and uh, quite in, was used to the, the limelight. He came to Jesus. He came as a man who recognised the need to come to Jesus. I know we've got other instances where, like the centurion, where he said to Jesus, you don't need to come back with me, um, just say the word. This was a different faith that Jairus was uh, um, showing here. He knew the need to come to Jesus, and that was important. But he wanted Jesus to come to his house. He felt that was necessary, that Jesus' presence would be there in order for his daughter to be healed. But he was a, a man who I guess everybody would know. And he was somebody that was prominent, somebody that was well-liked and revered. And he came forward and publicly asked for Jesus' help. In contrast to this, you get this woman, a woman who for 12 years had had this blood disorder, this problem, which was crippling which was embarrassing, I imagine, and something that uh, kept her apart. It was something that she was maybe ashamed of, something that she hid from her friends. And she'd had it for 12 years. Now the 12, you, the significance of the Jairus' daughter being 12 years old, Maybe trying to push it too much to try and get too much out of what the 12 mean. I mean, they, the daughter of Jairus had made, again, I have no idea whether this is true or not. You could say maybe his daughter had been unwell for 12 years or had a sickly child. Or maybe they'd always had difficulties uh, and got it come to a, a head, if you like, at 12. I don't know. But... Certainly, there was 12 years for the love of Jairus and his wife towards that daughter to have developed and grown and for that 12 years to be something that had nurtured and they'd enjoyed and seen as a gift from God. And here it was the danger now, it was all going to be taken away. The woman having the 12 years of suffering 
We actually read in previous, in I think it's in the Mark version, where she has a woman who probably had had a little bit of wealth, and she had spent it all on doctors trying to help her overcome this uh, illness, and the result was it got worse. So, despite having spent all her money. And, and maybe now she was penniless. Uh, it just says she'd spent all her money, all her wealth, and uh, she'd given it all up and she'd nothing to show for it. In fact, she was feeling worse than she was before. Twelve years is a long time to struggle with this and to <coughs> go to and pay for doctor's advice and help and drugs or whatever she might have been given and then to have ended up no better, and still to be in this uh, situation where it was so embarrassing that she had to keep to herself. It would have affected her relationships with everybody. And she also came to the point when she knew she needed Jesus. And so she went out looking in private for Jesus. She didn't want to make a big show of it. She wasn't going to run up to Jesus in front of him and explain to him about her problem. This was something she wanted to keep to herself. And, but her faith was a little bit different because her faith was saying to her, all I need to do is just touch him. But I need to get to him. And so her faith was saying, if I touch him, I know I can be healed. I want to just uh, <coughs> also read uh, a portion in First uh, Peter um, together. Just First um, Peter chapter one. It's about faith, and this is what we're we're looking at here: is the faith of two people and how they. Um, express that faith but I just want us to read here what Peter says about it <clears throat> First Peter chapter 1 verse 3 just uh, read um, up to verse 9 praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief, in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may prove genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him 
and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I think it's so beautifully expressed there. It's just the understanding about what the purpose of faith and what develops from faith and why faith is so important is that something that we have an inheritance that's been placed in, in the security of heaven. But what Peter is saying here quite clearly is that even though now you're going to have trials, there's a purpose in that because it develops your faith. If you have no trials, if you have no problems, if you never come across anything in your life, you sail through and everything's rosy, your faith will still remain, but it might only ever remain small. You find that those of us who have great trials or difficult trials are usually those who have great faith. And it's grown from their um, ability to have been able to have seen the hand of God in their lives. And it starts with a little faith of trust. We trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we believe that he died for us. We believe that he rose again. Although we haven't seen this, we believe it through faith. And then we have an inheritance. Is it right? As Brian was telling us at the conference yesterday, you know, as, as Christians, there is no death anymore. Not, not as the world knows death. Death's been removed. Because that's what the Lord Jesus Christ did at Calvary. He removed death. He overcame death. That doesn't mean to say our bodies don't die, of course. <laughs> That's obvious. But we live forever. This um, situation with the faith that was being seen by Jairus, he was expressing it. And the Lord, in his, his tremendous grace, he doesn't pass him off and say to him, I don't need to come to your house. I just snap my fingers and it'll happen. He doesn't do that. He could have done, of course. But it's important, I think, that's coming across is that the Lord receives even us of little faith. You don't have to have a certain amount of it. You don't seem to have a certain development of it. Is even the size of a mustard seed. The Lord Jesus Christ rejoices in that. And he was prepared. The man believed that if Jesus would just come to his house, his daughter would be healed. So the Lord Jesus said, I'll come. <clears throat> I'll go along with that. And so he sets out. The, the woman comes in secret. And again, it's almost as if the Lord's saying, there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, it's understandable. And... We know the story well that in all the crowd, the Lord Jesus realises that power has gone from him. And again, what is that telling us about Jesus? It's telling us just 
remarkable man that he was. He was the son of God. He could feel the power going out of him. And people were touching him all the time. But that touch was not the touch of faith. That was just a touch of somebody pushed me. <laughs> I bumped into you. Uh, that's not the same thing. That woman touched believing. And the Lord, without even seeing her, imagine that happened behind him, immediately knew that somebody of faith had touched him and the power had gone out of him and she was immediately healed. And she knew that. It wasn't a, oh, I had a nice funny feeling there. I wonder if that's going to be it. <laughs> she knew. She knew immediately. And when the Lord then recognised, and he knew, of course, he, she'd come in secret, but he wanted her to be able to reveal what had happened to her publicly. Because he wanted people to see her faith. And he wanted people to learn from it. And he wanted people to understand that what she's done, others can do also. And so, realising she couldn't hide and run away, she came forward and admitted it's me. And the, the Lord, you can just see his, the love coming out of him. Because he's known, she's, for 12 years she's suffered, she's struggled, she's been ostracised, she's had real difficulty, a horrible life for 12 years. And he just, it's just he puts his arms around her, I think. <laughs> he says, you know, go in peace. You're made whole, the other word that's used. You're made whole. You're, you're saying like you're, you're normal again you're a woman again you're able now to go and live your life normally but I think the bigger thing there was of course that she'd never forget that and the faith that she had before what was it like now sometimes you might think it's, it's it was, you could take the line that it wasn't fair. That woman should never have had to suffer that for so long. Twelve years. That wasn't fair, was it? Um, why could that not have been, why could she not have been helped earlier? You never learn, you never find out about, in lots of cases, what happened to these people afterwards. But you'll know from your own experiences where you have exerted faith that you've come to Jesus. And I'm talking now, I know, to, to Christians here, to those of you who have faith. A little bit, we all have that little bit. And as we go through our Christian lives and as we suffer and as we struggle, our faith grows. Because the more we live, the more we realise, do we not, the need to come to Jesus, to constantly be touching the hem of his garment, to constantly be asking him to come to our home because we have difficulties 
and we can't deal with them on our own. And we're struggling. Some, some of us wait until the last minute, until we've tried everything else. And then we come to Jesus. This woman had spent all her money with how many doctors? And then she came to Jesus. I don't, we don't know too much about it. and We can speculate till the cows come home, of course. But um, there came a point in her life when she knew she needed Jesus and nobody else was going to help and it wasn't going to cost her anything. And, you know, I had a big, big decision and big faith. But the way the Lord con <coughs> confirmed it to her, and as I say, you know, the... I'm painting the picture of, you know, this, that love that's coming out of the Lord Jesus towards her. He knew all about her. He knew her life. He knew her suffering. And now she was going to go away healed. Her life was going to change. And she's saying, go in peace. Because she had had an experience that was never going to leave her. And it's how then she goes on, and we don't know, to what sort of life would she have lived after that? And of course, that's the challenge for us, is that when we have these situations in our lives and the Lord comes in and it's so evident in our lives, maybe not to others, but it's evident to us that the Lord's put his hands on us, he's put his arms around us, he's healed us, is how do we respond to that? Go away and you're made whole, go away you've now got peace, then let people see it, express it. Because the Lord had stopped her and brought her to the front and was telling everybody, this is what had happened. She was explaining her predicament and she'd just been healed. And there was people all around who were able to witness that and benefit from it. The Lord went on to, as he was going to Jairus' house, they then told that his daughter had died. Now that, you know, it's a horrendous thing, you know. Again, I just think, Maisie's 11. <clears throat> you know, only a year difference. And you think if that was one of yours, one of your own, and you, you built up a relationship, the horror of death is, is something that some of us have ex experienced some more poignantly than others. This man, you know, to be told your daughter is dead, initially was just a, a shock and the horror of it. He had hope beforehand and now it's gone. But the Lord says to him, you know, don't give up. Don't give up. I think it was um, when we were reading in, in, um, in Peter there about faith, is that even faith overcomes death as well. It's very obviously explained here because the Lord brings this girl back to life and says, you know, she's only, she's only sleeping. And of course, that's the expression that is used in Scripture quite a lot about those that are asleep in Christ. And uh, it can be... a a strange expression because you think you know you can look at a dead body and you think there's no life there at all uh, that body is if you leave it there will decay and uh, it, 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 there's obviously no life in that pit. to say that that is asleep it's talking of course about the soul 
It's talking about the future. The body can die. The spirit soul leave the body. And they are alive. That's alive forever. When the Lord Jesus said, this um, little girl is only sleeping, the spirit had left the little girl. Because it says afterwards the spirit came back. Where did that spirit go? I don't know. It was in the hands of Jesus, in the hands of God. And this is, again, it's an interesting debate that you can have about this. This is obviously pre-cross. But, I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ is there and he's going to the cross. So, therefore, what is happening here is on the assumption and the knowledge of what was going to happen at the cross. He was life, life eternal. They mocked him when he said that. Because, again, the, the world looks at there's life and there's death, uh, and that's all there is. And once death takes place, there is no more. That's not what the teaching of Scripture is, and that's not why Jesus died. It tells us in the, in the end times that death will be taken, and it will be dealt with. It will be cast into the lake of fire. You're thinking that's, I thought death was a state. It's, it's difficult stuff to, to understand and get your head round, but the Lord Jesus Christ has overcome that death. And death for us is no more. We who die will go into a sleep. And our bodies, even although they decay, will be transformed and we will be given new bodies. That's what the Lord teaches. And whilst we will suffer now, as Jairus suffered, as his daughter suffered, as the woman who touched the hem of his garment was suffering uh, for 12 years, these things will happen in our lives. But laid up in heaven, for those who believe, is our inheritance. And the promise of life eternal and that we should not fear death, certainly not from the same angle as those who have no hope. We fear death because it means separation. And that's understandable. We don't like that. But it's not for eternity. And it's not that we lose our loved ones. They're only asleep if they are in Christ Jesus. And that security, that uh, peace, you know, it just comes from the person of Christ. And this is, again, in all of these stories, the focal point of it all is that faith in coming to Jesus. We last, earlier in the chapter, we read these people who decide we don't want you, go away. Their choice. And we never read of Jesus going back there. And so therefore you can almost make the assumption that these Gentiles, these owners of the swine, these uh, people there who rejected him, if they died like that, then they are dead. They are going into death. But here you get a, a more upbeat story of two instances where faith is exerted and therefore there is rejoicing. You can imagine the rejoicing in that house, the you know, parents just um, 
one minute mourning over the lifeless body of a 12-year-old girl suddenly stands up and walks about. And the Lord says, Look, you go and make her some food. <laughs> She's hungry. Imagine that happening in your life. And it's all because of faith that um, what would have happened if Jairus hadn't had the faith? What would have happened if he hadn't come to Jesus? It's always what if. But the Lord Jesus was so willing to come. He was so desirous to respond. And he's doing that today. And so what I'd like to pass on you just the, the, the simple, it is fairly easy, simple thought that comes out of this portion. Although maybe in practice it's a lot harder to exert that faith and to be looking to grow our faith so that we are, never lose sight of eternity and never lose sight of the power, the healing power of Christ in our lives here now, in every aspect of our lives, whether it's mental or physical, whatever our problems are, that the power of Christ overcomes all that. And it's because of our inheritance that we are in Christ. It's because of the promise of God that all we just want, need to do is come to him and exert that little bit of faith and say to the Lord, heal me, help me. And his response would be the same as we've seen here. He took the hand of the little girl and said, arise. I'd love to, you know, it'd be really lovely to know what happened with that little girl. You know, what was her life like after that? <laughs> we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But that's an experience that she'd had in her life that I think would have grown her faith tremendously. And she, if she married and had children, would she not have passed that on to them? I, the day that she met Jesus, the day that she became alive, the day that everybody was astounded because of what Christ did. So I just leave these few thoughts with you. With that, we'll just have a closing prayer.